Hallelujah. Well, Wednesday night we dealt with a vision that was given to a prophet. And this morning we're going to deal with another vision out of the book of Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. The vision of the dry bones. Amen. God has really been just dealing with me for the last several weeks out of Isaiah chapter 6 and out of Ezekiel chapter 37. Dealing with me personally as a Christian and as a preacher of this gospel. But I do believe there's things for us to hear as a church out of these passages of scripture. Let's read verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. Set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. Caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there was very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones. And say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. As I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. When I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, as he had commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves, cause you to come up out of your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel. Ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves. O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and ye shall put my spirit in you, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Amen. This is a vision given to the prophet Ezekiel concerning the nation of Israel. You know, if you do a study of the law, captivity was a judgment. For disregarding the word of God. Whenever Israel was brought into captivity, it was due to the fact that they had disregarded the voice of God. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, that deals with the cursings and the blessings. It says, Thou shalt begot sons and daughters, but thou shalt not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. Amen. Whenever God's people neglected his word, he always allowed their enemies to overrun them. Again in Leviticus 26 and 17, it says, And I will set my face against you, and ye shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, and ye shall flee 
when none pursueth. Amen. Whenever they disregarded the word of God, there were always repercussions for that rebellion and disobedience. However, the Lord also promised restoration to his people if they would properly respond to his chastisement. And that's what this was. It was a chastisement for rejecting his word. He promised in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 2 through 3, And thou shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shall obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children with all thine heart and with all thine soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee. And will return and gather thee from all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. I want you to notice this morning that the restoration spoken of here, it was based upon their return to obedience to all of the known will of God, according to his voice, according to his word. Amen. That was the condition. They had to hear, amen, the word at his mouth. And they had to obey it. And they had to obey all of it. Now, the prophet Ezekiel's ministry, it occurred during perhaps the darkest hour of Old Testament history, and that was that Babylonian exile. You find Daniel's ministry came about during that same time. And Daniel and Ezekiel prophesied, amen, at the end of Jeremiah's ministry, amen. And you find Jeremiah preaching to Israel that rejected the word of God and all of his ministry, amen. He prophesied of the judgment that was to come. And he prophesied that they'd be taken captive if they wouldn't hear the word at his mouth. They rejected that word and captivity came. Ezekiel's ministry, amen, happened during such a time as this. Israel had turned her ear from the word of God. She had lived carelessly. And now it was necessary for her to reap a harvest, amen, for her compromise and her rebellion. The king of Babylon, you study history, he came in in three stages and destroyed Jerusalem. And he deported thousands upon thousands of Jews back into Babylon. Amen. And Ezekiel himself was taken captive in 597 B.C. Five years after he was taken captive, he was called to his prophetic ministry. You study through the book of Ezekiel, you'll see that that prophet, he concentrated on three major themes throughout those years of ministry. First of all, he reminded the generation that was born during Babylonian exile of the cause of the current judgment upon Israel. Don't you know there's a lot of folks been born into the church today. Amen. Been decades and the church has been in exile. I said it's been decades and the church has been in exile and lots of folks like you and I have been born again with the church under bondage and somebody has to remind them why this is taking place. Ezekiel prophesied to that generation and said, you need to remember the sins of your forefathers. Second, he foretold of the coming judgment upon those Gentile nations, even Babylon itself. And finally, he prophesied of the coming national liberation of Israel. God was going to restore Israel. God was going to bring that nation together, going to bless them, going to breathe life upon 
brought them. And this vision that we read this morning here, the valley of the dry bones, it directly addresses the nation of Israel. She is dispersed among these heathens. God reveals in this vision his intention as well as his method for future restoration of his people. It was intended through this vision that that remnant of Israel that would hear the word of God at the mouth of the prophet, amen, could receive, glean comfort and hope and encouragement knowing that they weren't forsaken of God. He's got a remnant. Amen, I'm gonna visit you. I'm gonna bring you again to a land. I'm gonna bring life upon you. I'm gonna remove the reproach off your name. Amen, just stay, stay, uh, stay in the will of God. Remain steadfast. Amen. But you know, this vision, and it really deals directly with the, the nation of Israel. What does it say to you and I in this dispensation? Is there anything that we can gain here? Any truth that we can glean from this vision? We know in 2 Timothy 3 and 16, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God, including here this 37th chapter of Ezekiel. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. What would the Holy Ghost say to you and I this morning through this vision? that was given to the prophet Ezekiel. Is there also a dual prophecy here? Was there something for the Israel of that day and something for spiritual Israel in this hour? I believe you and I, there's much for us to learn. And we'll just look back and see how God dealt with that Old Testament church, Israel. He has not changed. The principles regarding the way that he deals with his people is the same today as it always has been. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are spiritual Israel. I believe there's an application for us today. When we adhere to the word of God, we're a blessed people. But when we turn our ear from the counsel of the Almighty, we receive a cursing. We bring a cursing upon ourselves. Amen. In the Bible, Babylon always represents spiritual confusion. That word Babel, it means literally confusion. And I believe today we live in an hour of darkness perhaps like never before. Amen. There is confusion in the land. It seems that the church all around us, particularly in America, it's overrun with spiritual mixture. It's filled with religious chaos. It's plagued with inner turmoil. Listen to me. It's a dangerous hour. It's a drastic time. It calls for drastic measures. It calls of men full of the Holy Ghost to deal with the issues at hand. Everywhere you look, if you really look at what's taking place in the natural, if you look into the situation or the circumstance, it can be disheartening indeed. Confusion abounds. It could be said that Babylon rules. The church is in exile. Amen. And I believe though God He wants to restore. He wants to revive. Amen. That is the will of God. That is the heart of God. And he will. It will allow him. And he'll begin with you and I. Amen. That's where he wants to begin with you. He can't restore the church downtown. He can't restore the church in Baton Rouge or the church in Tulsa until he restores you and I. That's what we need to be concerned about. Amen. Where do we stand this morning with our God? Where are we in this call to pursue Christ? As a church, he wants to deal with our heart. Amen. He wants to deal with our position, our place, and our state. He wants to open our eyes to where we're at in the kingdom of God. He wants to deal with us. And we need to have that heart to desire him to do so. Amen. To bring us to a place where he wants us to be. Amen. We're going to look this morning at this vision. I believe it's going to speak to us. Amen. I believe if we'll allow the Holy Ghost. I mean, if we'll allow 
He said, what you're talking about, Brother Britt? Allow God. I always allow. You really think about that. Do you really allow God to deal with you? Do you really allow the Holy Ghost access to your person? I believe if we will as individuals, if we will as a church, and he'll enable us to make a true assessment of our spiritual state. Amen. How many of you want truth? How many of you want to really know the truth? Know where you're at. Know where we're at as a church. Amen. God will show us. Amen. If we'll see. I mean, we've got to see. Just like we looked at Wednesday night. We've got to see something. And we see God. And as we see God, we're going to really know where we're at. It says the hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel. Amen. That's where you need to start. The hand of God was upon. He allowed the Spirit of God to touch him. I said he allowed the Holy Ghost to touch him. He allowed God Almighty to deal with him. Amen. To lead him. To guide him. To place him where he would. To put him where he wanted him. The hand of the Lord was upon him. And he became an intercessor. And as an intercessor, he is carried in the very midst of the valley of death. If you'll lend yourself to God, many times you'll find he's going to put you in the midst of death. He's going to place you right there. Amen. It says, and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. Now, he's led by the Holy Ghost. This is where the Holy Ghost led him. And set me down in the midst, right in the middle, right in the thick of things, in the valley which is full of bones. Just right here in this death, right in the heart of this mess, that the prophet was carried by the Spirit of God. I can tell you this, identification is a very important aspect of intercession. Amen. I cannot intercede for people if I refuse to identify with them. Jesus, he's the holy son of God. Amen. He was without sin, without God, spotless, blameless before God Almighty. And he is sent in the midst of sinful mankind to bring light and blessing to a people that had turned their back against God. Amen. That's the heart of God. If I'm going to be an intercessor, I'm going to have to identify. i got to be willing to stoop down to where folks are at if I'm going to bring light and blessing to them. Amen. I preach separation and I believe in biblical separation. But identification and separation are not contrary spiritual principles, but rather they flow together. They run side by side. Amen. If you'll not identify, amen, then your separation is going to be perverted. Amen. If you won't separate, then your identification is going to be perverted. Amen. You've got to walk in both. John 17 and 15, Jesus said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Amen. God's plan for you and I is to be salt and to be light, to be in, but not to be of. Amen. To be unashamed of Christ Jesus, to be unashamed of his word, to be free wherever I am, to do as Christ would have me do, to say as Christ would have me to say, not to be intimidated, not to seek the praise and the adoration or a reputation before men. I'm free to speak. I'm free to be silent. I'm free for you to look at me as a fool, to ignore me, to overlook me, whatever the Holy Ghost would have me do place me in that valley of death. I'll identify but I will not be influenced by. I'm not going to be influenced or moved by. Amen. I'm committed even to love the worst of my enemies. Those who've sinned. Those who've fallen. Those who are even in compromise. Amen. Our separation 
It's a place of morality. It deals with morality and not necessarily proximity. Do you understand me? Why do you say not necessarily? Because there could be times, amen, exceptions where God would require that we physically separate ourselves from individuals. Amen. A heretic after two and three, amen, admonitions reject. You separate yourself from a man that calls himself a brother, amen, but it's an extortioner, a fornicator, amen, you're not to eat, not even to eat with such a one as this. That's physical separate. Mark those who cause divisions among you, contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. That speaks of physical separation. But I'm speaking about the majority of the time. Our separation is a matter of spiritual influence and not of proximity. Amen. We got to be willing to get our hands dirty, so to speak. If I'm going to go in that valley of dry bones from time to time, it may be necessary that I brush up against something. I'm not talking about being influenced by it. Amen. But reaching down to touch those that are lost, those that are deceived, those that are less fortunate than I am. I got to go to that place. Be willing to go there. Not merely to point out the wrong, though that's necessary. Do you hear me? That's a necessary thing. I've got to expose the lie, but I got to also bring the answer. Do you hear me? I got to bring the answer. It says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And those are the three elements of true preaching with all long suffering and doctrine. Notice that last, amen, clause that's attached to that commandment there. I must preach. I must preach when it's popular, when it's unpopular. I must preach when I'm invited or uninvited. But I need to do so patiently as I teach with long suffering and doctrine. Do you hear me? That's what that means. Declare, expose, deal with it. But you be patient. You forbear. You, with long suffering, teach men. Amen. Because they may not know any better. Amen. And just because you told them once, don't you cut them off because they reject that word. Amen. Because God never dealt with any of us that way. Amen. Let the Spirit of God deal with people. Amen. Listen to me. If we can't weep when we watch people destroyed, amen, there's something seriously wrong with our heart. If there's not, if we can watch people destroy with dry eyes, there's something wrong with our heart. That's, that's a strange, twisted, perverted self-righteousness. Amen. That's probably worse than the grossest deception in all the land. We know, we say, we see, we put our finger on it and say that it's gross deception. I'm not saying we got to walk around literally crying. I'm telling you though, there ought to be a heart that weeps for those that are even deceived, those that have even willfully rejected the truth. The Bible says that God never rejoices over the destruction of the wicked. Amen, it's just, it's right. Amen, do you understand me? There's a difference between me agreeing with God's, I agree with God's judgment all the time. Amen, but there's a difference in rejoicing. Amen, I'm talking about taking delight in the destruction of the wicked. Amen, we've entertained ourselves long enough with the faults of others. Let's get real with God and become a solution. Do you hear me? We've entertained ourselves long enough. Amen. Talking about the faults of other folks. We need to press in and become the solution. Amen. I'm not talking about becoming a parrot of words and just quoting a few scriptures and being able to say this is wrong and this is right. But I'm talking about laying down our life that men could live. This is the call of Christianity. Amen. It didn't take nothing for God to sit in heaven and say that's wrong. Do you hear me? But he had to come 
and lay down his life. It's necessary that it be pointed out that it's wrong. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It must be exposed. Amen. But blood has to be put into this. Do you hear me? Life and breath, a sacrifice, acceptable and well-pleasing unto the Father. Ezekiel was taken right to the midst. He just didn't stand afar off. Amen. And God showed him it's all wrong. It's all dead. It's all dry. Picked him up and put him in the midst of it. Amen. He took him there and put him in the midst. He said, you're going to be a voice. You're going to be a vehicle. You're going to be a vessel of blessing here. Had to be willing to go. The hand of the Lord was upon him. Amen. There in the midst of the valley, Ezekiel's eyes were open to the true condition. He said, he caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there's very many in the open valley. And lo, they are very dry. Lots of folks are perishing. Do you hear me? I said lots of, it's not, most are perishing. You see, you hear preachers say that. You hear me say, you know, 80%, you hear Brother Clinton say 80, if not more. 80% of the church is tares, of the professing church is tares. And people say, that's an extreme statement. I believe it's a conservative statement. It's a conservative statement. Many, very many, they're dry. They're dead. Listen to me. The world perishes for the lack of the knowledge of Christ. In the church, outside the church. It's a famine in the land. There's a famine in the land. Amen. First of all, though, we need to truly see our spiritual condition. We need to start right here. That's an impossibility apart from the Spirit of God. The psalmist said in 139, 23 through 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. That, that needs to be the posture of our heart. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Is there a blind spot, God? Is there an apathy or a coldness? Something that's bringing reproach to your name that I'm unaware of? Would you show it to me? Would you reveal the deep motives of my, of my spirit. Again, he said in verses two through four, thou knowest my down sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. You don't even under your, understand yourself as much as God does. Do you hear me? You don't know yourself. Amen. The way that God does. And it's required that the Spirit of God will reveal things to you. Thou compass my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Amen. It's just a spiritual rule. A man can never be found until he admits he's lost. A church can never be revived until they admit they're dead. You hear me? They have to see we're in need of revival. And listen to me, the root cause of all death is the absence of life. That's all it is. Amen. The, the reason people don't have revival is they're content to have it so. Will we, begin, will we be content with where we're at in Christianity? Will we say this is, our, this is a place that we'll stop. We'll take our ease in Zion. Why are we always being pushed, Brother Brent? Why is the word always compelling us to move forward? Why isn't there just something that'll tell me God's pleased and everything's alright? And I'm not telling you that God's displeased or God hates us. That's not what I'm saying. I believe believe a right spirit understands the dealings of the Holy Ghost. I'm not looking for the approval of God so much as I am willing and desiring to do His perfect will. Whatever that is. Amen. Anybody says God has to stop every three or four days and tell me that He's pleased with me. Hey, something's amiss in that heart. The unprofitable servant. He says when you've done everything. I'm talking about everything. That's a perfect man. Do you hear me? That's a man filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a man that's served, that's done everything. He says, I'm but an unprofitable servant. That's the attitude of heart. 
amen, that those that are truly submitted to God have. But we need to foster a divine dissatisfaction. Amen. People have so little because they think they have so much. And we need a right revelation of where we are in the things of God. Because if we'll hear the voice of Jesus Christ, he's always going to be wooing us. Always going to be calling us, becking us, prompting us, provoking us to go deeper in the person of of Jesus Christ. I I can hear people wondering out loud, but aren't we doing so much better? than the folks down the road are we you know there's so many others that are deceived or you're in a place of darkness aren't we doing so much better than them brother Brent I can tell you that's a dangerous state a dangerous mentality amen to have spiritual stagnation that refers to inertia apathy indifference idleness inaction and dullness in our Christian walk spiritual stagnation you hear me that speaks of inertia Apathy, indifference, idleness in action, and dullness in our Christian walk. In other words, a satisfaction with where I'm at. A refusal to be prodded forward in the things of God. And stagnation is death no matter how far we've come or how deep we've gone. You know, there's something called a water cycle. You understand the water cycles and you recognize that, say, for instance, in the upper Midwest, amen, it rains there or it snows there. And that rain runs down into the Mississippi River, into the Delta, and then goes all empties into the Mississippi River. It's nothing but a small creek way up in the top there in Minnesota. All the snow melts in the spring, and the water finds that Mississippi River, and it heads south. There's a long journey until it finds itself in the Gulf of Mexico. When it goes into the Gulf of Mexico, it evaporates up in the clouds again, and the cycle begins all over. This Christian walk is a pilgrimage. Amen. I got born again. I got placed in the narrow way and as I walk on my way, as I move forward I've got to keep on marching a steady pace. Hear me a steady pace. You take a drop of water that's fallen into that creek amen in Minnesota and it travels 500, 600, 700 miles but somewhere around Arkansas it gets close to the bank and washed up in a pool and turns stagnant. Listen to me. You wouldn't wouldn't say that that drop of water, amen is in a better place than that drop of water that this fell into the Mississippi River but is moving forward. Why? Because this thing is stagnant. It's dead. It's going nowhere. This one may be way back there. Hadn't gone as far on its journey but if it continues to move it'll pass this one up. We're foolish to compare ourselves to others that may not know what we know but at least they're moving forward. And that's exactly what you see. Now, I, want you, I want you to hear that. You, people get confused. Why do I go to this place? And there's such life. Ooh, but there's such error. I see people, and I know this is wrong, and that's wrong. I can tell you why. Because where they're at, they're moving forward. And you can go to a place where there's all manner of truth, but the people are dug in. Amen. They then stuck their feet in the ground. Said, I'm not moving for this is fine where I'm at. I'm way better off than the multitudes. Amen. But I don't have to go forward to make it into heaven. And that is deception. Amen. But the thing is dead and lifeless. Amen. Listen to me. The answer is not to go back to the era. The answer is to do what's bringing the life. If those people don't move forward, they'll come to a place. Amen. Where they'll be cut off. Amen. The answer is not to go back to era and call that liberation. The answer is to move forward in the things of God. Obey the voice of God. Find out where we're at. Amen. Allow the Spirit of God to prompt us to move on in the things of the kingdom. Amen. It's a great danger to compare ourselves among ourselves. Amen. But once we find out where we're at, 
Amen. I can tell you this. God will open your eyes to see all the needs around you. You know, if we could just truly just grasp just a glimpse of the current spiritual condition of the church or our nation. Listen to me. It causes us to tremble and to quake. It causes us to try. I'm, listen to me. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not using adjectives there. I'm saying if we could truly grasp, amen, what God is and where the current church is and where our nation is, it would cause us to tremble and quake. That's why those prophets were considered crazy men, amen, men from another world, because they saw what other men could not see. They're moved by an unseen hand. They spoke words that had not been heard by mortal ears. They're speaking for God. They saw what men couldn't see. If we could just truly see what God is and where the church is today, we'd tremble. It'd be too much to comprehend, too much for us to absorb. Amen. Isaiah 59 and 14 says, And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar, for truth is fallen in the street. And that is the condition in America. I'm telling you, truth has fallen in the street. Truth has fallen in the street. It's rare to find a pure word of truth. That's not some proud statement by a man who believes he's the only one. It's the truth. I'm I'm telling you, there's not much gospel preached in this nation. Not much gospel preached here. Amen. There's a famine of the hearing the word of God. I can tell you when a man truly grasps truth, he'll become extremely sensitive to every lie. When he knows the truth, he becomes very sensitive to the lie. And then people suppose, amen, that he's become eccentric. Amen. And, you know, over-concerned or what have you. But that man that's truly seen truth as it is becomes very, very sensitive to everything that is not truth. Amen. Truth, when it grips the mind of a man, it'll quicken his conscience. It'll shake his soul. It'll stir his spirit. And it'll liberate forever and change him forever. He'll never, ever be the same as long as his mind grasps that truth. Ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free but it will radically change an individual to see the person of Christ and his truth truth's fallen in the streets in this hour amen when you see it as it is the severity of it I mean the severity of it. It's far-reaching. It's permeated every sector of our society. Amen. The impossibility of reaching people in the falsehood. It's so complex. Amen. You see the deception and you're faced with a valley of dry bones no matter where you go. No matter what God's called you to do. If you're preaching down here in front of the Sonic or you're preaching to 10,000 people in Africa, the complexity of the deception it seems impossible to reach people and it is apart from the word of God most people in this hour even professing Christians have at best a limited or shallow view of the person of God and that's where all the wrong theology comes from amen they seem amen as a different individual than that Bible teaches amen people as it were they're buried under layers and layers of deception each false concept each lies woven together carefully leading to more crafty and clever falsehood and it creates as it were a mountain of deception it's if you walk up with a shovel in your hand and you're seeing people buried under years and decades of lies and traditions and you need the power of God to reach them. It's an impossibility. That's what I was talking about Wednesday night. It's more than just changing somebody's mind. Amen, folks. 
must be set free. We're talking about a valley of dry bones, death, utter death. Utter death, utter ruin, utter ruin. It takes a move of the Holy Ghost to reverse it all. Amen. Trying to minister truth to people in this day. It's like leading them out of a maze with a hundred thousand directions to choose from and only one way to escape. Amen. It's like you're, you're looking from a vantage point. I've talked to people before. Amen. You try to minister the truth to them. The Bible. And you can see the way of escape. It's clear. But there's a hundred thousand turns in the maze. And they don't know whether to believe you or the thousands of voices that are trying to direct them simultaneously. It seems impossible. It's a valley of dry bones. We must have the Holy Ghost. We must have the Holy Ghost. Amen. People's concept of what truth is in this hour has become so perverted that the gospel seems like utter folly to them. Amen. Even the church, do you hear me? Even the church. I mean, I talk to people that have been in church all their life. Amen. They know nothing of the cross, nothing of the gospel. I mean, they can quote the name of Jesus. They can say a few prayers. Amen. But they know nothing of the depth of the truth of the gospel. They don't even know the reason Jesus came. Because truth has been so perverted and so undermined in this hour. Everything in the natural, everything in the religious realms undergird and strengthen all the false notions of God. Do you hear me? Everything in our society. Amen. You can go to 99 to 100 churches around here this morning throughout this nation. And what they'll hear will strengthen them in their deception. And that's the truth. Ezekiel said, because with lies you've made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and strengthened the hands of the wicked that he should not return from his wicked way, but promise him life. Amen. Much of today's teaching, amen, it condemns the just, amen, and it justifies the wicked. I mean, much of the gospel taught today, it makes God-haters believe they're under the favor of Almighty God. That is an utter perversion of the truth. People's concept of God, it's so faulty and so unscriptural that they're like the sons and laws of Lot. When it came to warn him, it was seen as if he mocked to him. Amen. You're living in a place of destruction to Morning, you die, and they thought he was crazy. Why? He saw something they couldn't see. He perceived something that they were blind to. Hey, man, what is that? Enter in to the divine frustration of God Almighty. That's what that is. Enter into the divine frustration of God Almighty. Solomon said, an increase of knowledge is an increase of sorrow. He ain't talking about carnal knowledge. Amen. He's talking about true spiritual knowledge. With much wisdom comes much grief. I can remember when I was a young Christian and I began to really pray and really seek God and my eyes began to open to the depth of sin. I'm talking about sin. The principle of sin. Do you hear me? The mystery of iniquity. A lot of folks just think of sin as an action here and an action there. But when you really see the depth of the fall, amen, the consequences, the repercussions, when God opens your eyes to that, you walk around among a dead nation, among people that are unclean, 
seed. You know destruction is everywhere. You see the compromise in the church, the mixture, and it seems hopeless. I can remember walking around that campus and trying to plead with people and trying to talk to people and talking to people in, in you know, Christian organizations and they look at you like you've lost your mind. Why? Because they hadn't seen. They hadn't seen what God will show you. If you'll stay under his hand, he'll put you right in the valley of dry bones and let you see it. Isaiah said, who have believed our report? Amen. I can identify with that. Amen. And you will enter into the divine frustration of God. If you're willing to see what he will show you, it will grieve you to the very core of your being. And not many people will believe what you have to say. Amen. Charlie and I, the other night, we went out on the street and I passed a tent meeting on Highway 61. And I went and picked him up and said, I just want to drive over here and see what's going on. I mean, the tent was packed with people from front to back. Hey, Ben, and we drove up. And uh, sincere folks, I don't doubt they're sincere. I, I don't doubt there are many people there perhaps that are born again. I don't know their state. Hey, Amen, exactly, except for by what I saw. Well, they had a banner up on the, on the front of the tent and said, it's party time. It's party time. And they all wearing little party hats and blowing party whistles. And they said they had cake and punch. And they're trying to preach the gospel to sinners. Listen to me. What's happened to the church? Is there not a cause? What's taken place to our army fearful, fearful carrying banners, the bloodstained banner of Christ? What's happened to the church of Jesus Christ? It was an awful thing to behold. And you may say, well, Brother Britt, I sat there in their truck with Charlie. We didn't say a word, just watched and listened and saw what was taking place. I wasn't thinking, these fools, these poor pitiful fools, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, I know the difference. And it's required that I bring the solution. Amen. Ezekiel saw, and now he had to come forth. He couldn't just correct. He had to be the answer. So responsibility comes. With sight. I'm thinking, woe is me. I know this ain't right. I know this is all. These poor folks here don't know that. But I know it ain't right. I know it's an awful thing. I know God is grieved and frustrated. Amen. That his word won't come. We're so ashamed just to declare the word of God. So it's my responsibility. It's your responsibility. If you've seen that the hand of the Lord has been upon you. And he's picked you up in the spirit. And placed you in that valley of dry bones. And Soon he's going to say, Son of man, prophesy. He's going to call you to do something about it. He's going to call you to do something about it. If you see, you must go and you must be. Amen. It's a travesty not to act upon what we see. Amen. And to act in love. Amen. Somebody's got to be a light. Amen. Somebody has to be a light to the testimony and the truth. Do you hear me? Not long ago, I had a person that came, visited this church. Amen. I got word back. They said, amen, just like we thought. No joy. Amen. No happiness. Bondage. Everybody looking like they're pulling a plow. Amen. Three and four weeks in a row. Amen. I don't want that kind of bondage. I don't need to come to such a place like that. Do I believe that's true? Amen. No, I don't believe that's true. But I can tell you this. You better take heed to your spirit. Do you hear me? Somebody is watching you. Somebody is watching you. You say you have the truth. And somebody come in here and you got your head in your hands or your lip turned over. Listen to me. Somebody may never open their ear to the word that will bring them out of a valley of dry bones. Amen. You are testimony 
be the light and the truth of this word. Do you hear me? Please, I beg you to know that folks are watching you at all times. There must be a desire to be a vessel of truth. There must be that desire. You never let your guard down. Amen. You're always walking in what? Walking in love. Amen. Loving your neighbor above yourself. Thinking of others. Esteeming others. Somebody's eyes are affixed upon you. We've stood on street corners. We've condemned the masses at the rock concerts. We've said we know the truth. Friend, I'm telling you, let's live it. Let's be what we say we are. And let's love it. Amen. I can tell you, if it's laborious to you, it's because you need to be refilled with the Holy Ghost. Or you're not surrendered to the will of God. There is no other condition of heart that produces a weariness in the truth. Amen. If that's you, if it's me, amen, let's just say amen to God and get to the altar and pray through. Amen. When needs to be, listen to me, that happened. Somebody came here and said, hey, no joy up in there. That's as dead a place as I've ever been. And I'll never, ever come back. That happened. Do you understand that? Somebody. I mean, he looked at one of you. He might have looked at me. You hear me? He came here and he saw. And he said, now, am I saying it's true? I don't know. But listen to me. I don't want nobody to even say that to me. Because you know what? All my life I heard. You preach hard. People ain't going to have no joy. That's a lie. You hear me? But that's what they believe. You hear me? Some of you people mean as rattlesnakes. Won't even say hello. And I've seen people coming here and you won't even shake their hand. See, listen to me. Be aware. I want to defuse the lies of the devil. Amen. No love. Amen. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But I don't want to strengthen the lies of the enemy. Do you hear me? I have a responsibility. I got dozens of deceived friends. Amen. And if I brought them here, I'm talking about people that used to know the truth. If they came here, amen, would they find something that would compel them, provoke them to examine the lie that they believe? Or would they be confirmed in their deception? You know them folks in the party hats, man, they're jumping around shouting hallelujah. I know that means nothing. I told Brother Charlie, I'm going to buy a bunch of party hats, party whistles to get everybody standing up shouting when you preach. I'll tell you what, they look excited about the word. They did. I'm just telling you, you see? I'm not, I'm not trying to manufacture it. No. I'm trying to say there's a responsibility for all of us. Amen. Saying amen and right, that don't mean nothing. I know that. Amen. I'm saying though, just because you do that don't mean it's right. But if you never do that, something's wrong. Yeah, I'm telling you. That, and there's a weariness that sometimes you look out here and I'm telling you, it looks like people sucking on lemons and eating briars. It looks like your existence is horrible and awful. There ought, and look, you can't just put on a smile to cover that up. There's something wrong. There's something wrong in that heart. You hear me? You can't just, mm, praise the Lord. That don't work. You can't cover up that countenance. That countenance is spiritual. Amen. Surrender to the will of God. Amen. Rejoice in the will of God. Do the will of God. Get full of the Holy Ghost and be a testimony. Because somebody's looking at you. Somebody needs the truth. Somebody needs a vessel. Amen. That will declare Christ and what they say and the way they live. Amen. Somebody's got to have the word of the Lord. A living, a quick, a powerful, a penetrating word filled with that otherworldly quality. Amen. That shakes a man's spirit. That deals with the depths of his heart and causes him to meditate upon eternity. People don't want to think about eternity. People in that side don't want to meditate on their spiritual state. 
Amen. They just go with the flow. And somebody has got to awaken them to righteousness. Somebody's got to stand against the tide of evil and deception and declare thus, saith God. Somebody's got to do that. Amen. It was true in Ezekiel's day, and it's true in ours. I believe there's those that will listen. Not many, but there are those that will listen if there's a clear sound given. Amen. Many times, just as I talked about the maze, you try to lead someone, amen, to the person of Christ, to the fullness of truth. They may be even born again. Amen. And it's like you're faced with 10,000 doors of deception. Behind every one, there's an axe murderer. Amen. A maniac with a shotgun. If they open it up, it's the death of them. Amen. There's only one door of truth. And you're pleading with them and begging them, go this way, narrow is the way. Straight is the gate that leads to life. Few be that find it. That's what the Bible is talking about. Listen to me. Broad is the road. Why? Many, amen, find that place. Amen. It's so easy to go that way. It's so easy to walk in that way. But you find a man that will declare the truth and all that's required. Amen. All the impossible, the severity of it, all that's required is that individual want truth. Amen. In every stage of the game. They'll walk to that one door truth and walk right through it because the Holy Ghost will lead them. That's how you found your way out. That's how I found my way out. Amen. You've got to receive the love of the truth. That's why it's a dangerous thing to reject the truth. A dangerous thing. Amen. If we'll allow the Holy Ghost, he'll show us our true spiritual condition. The second thing is a question whose only answer is faith. Verse 3, And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? Amen. God addresses him as son of man. And Ezekiel, he's the only prophet given such a title in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, that same title, it's used 43 times as a distinct uh, address to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe this is further evidence, amen, that indeed there is a spiritual application for us today. Amen, that God would ask, Amen, the body of Christ. Amen, the body of the Son of Man. As it were, the same question. Amen, wherever we're at, whatever field of labor we're endeavored in or what have you. Amen, can these bones live? Can these bones, can all this death, everything that looks totally and completely without life, can it live, Son of Man? Listen to me, the church is a watchman on the wall. We have a responsibility to declare righteousness. And to... He's trying to bring, lead the man himself to examine his own state, to bring him to a place where he'll understand the answer for himself, that which God already knows. The Bible says the Spirit of God leads us into all truth. But the Holy Ghost never led a man into truth apart from his rational mind. The Spirit of God is going to ask you questions sometimes. Why? Not because he needs an answer. He wants you to know. He wants you to begin to think. In other words, Ezekiel, think rightly, son. Meditate upon the truth. Have a proper mentality. Don't walk by sight, but walk by faith. You know my word. Amen. You know all things are possible. You know my character and my nature, that I am long-suffering and merciful, and I'll grant even to the worst of sinners, those who've compromised, if they meet the conditions, they can drink, amen, from the fountain of life. Think rightly, Ezekiel. Amen. It looks bad. Get your eyes off the situation. 
get your eyes on me. I've fought through this question a thousand times perhaps. Amen. In every ministry that I've ever had, in every church I've ever been in. Amen. Whether it be preaching at LSU, there's been seasons where I looked out and said, what is the use? Nobody, listen to me, bones don't hear instruction. Amen. Bones don't do anything. It just seems like they lay there when you preach to them. I've fought it, looking out at this church and the state we're in today. Can these bones live? Amen. It's the Spirit of God prompting, dealing. Amen. You need to have faith in God. You need to do what you know to do. Declare the word of God and they shall live. Life is in that word. Life is in that word. Amen. I've thought it a thousand times. But you listen to his answer. And I answered, oh Lord, thou knowest. He don't step out too much. It ain't totally unbelief. It ain't totally faith. It's a real safe response. Amen. But you know the problem I believe for Ezekiel is that, that that valley bears so much of a mark of death that Ezekiel, he's waiting to know what in the world is the will of God here. Maybe we've gone too far. I don't want to try to reverse, amen, what's future, try to reverse the judgment of God. I need to hear the voice of God. And I believe we're just like Ezekiel. We're apt to give up. We're apt to t- throw in the towel, to think that it's hopeless. Amen. But listen to me. The nature of God is restoration. There are exceptions. People can sin away their day of grace. All peoples and nations have turned their back on God where there is no hope. But those, I believe, are exceptions. We need to believe that God wants to restore. Amen. We need to do the will of God. He must have an obedient vessel. In other words, i got to believe it's the will of God for I'm going to prophesy. Do you hear me? If I believe it's just useless, amen, I'm not going to do anything. Become so discouraged, amen, that I just give up. Do you hear me? You can go on that street for years and years, never see anything happen, and suddenly a cloud of discouragement can come over you. Amen. It's happened to me many times. You've got to fight that thing off. It's the will of God to declare the word of God. And he said unto me, again he said, what are you talking about? Did he already say that? No, he called him to prophesy. Again, he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones. Ezekiel, you know what to do. I called you. Amen. I called you some time ago, and I told you to prophesy. I didn't tell you to stop. Amen. Prophesy, son of man, unto these bones. He's simply being reminded of what he already knew. To, you know what to do, Ezekiel. Amen. I told you in the beginning, amen, don't you give up. Preach, Ezekiel, preach. Declare the word of the Lord. Don't you change your method. Amen. Don't you be moved to succumb, amen, to that which seems to work. You do what I told you to do in the beginning. You declare the word of the Lord. Amen. You declare it in the pulpit. You declare it in the street. You declare it on your job. You declare it in your family. You preach the word of God. Don't succumb like multitudes and multitudes before you that were brought to that place that valley of dry bones and God asked them just like he'll ask you and me can these bones live and instead of inquiring of the Lord they said no they can't not unless I do it another way or yes they can God and I have an idea how they can I've been trying this for 20 years and it ain't worked Oh, no. You know. In other words, remind me. Strengthen me. 
Don't let me step to the left, go to the right. Don't let me draw back under perdition. Let me stay faithful to what you called me to do. Establish me in the truth. Put some iron in my backbone. Amen. Set my heart ablaze and afresh to do the will of God. Fall afresh on me, Holy Ghost. Equip me to declare the word of righteousness. This is what the Spirit of God will do. He'll bring you to that place. Amen. And he will ask you, can it live? Can it live? And you need to say, if not, yes, Lord. Yes, it can. You need to say, you know, instruct me. Is it time for me to move to the left or right? Just tell me. But if you tell me to go straight ahead, that's what I'm going to do. That's what Ezekiel did. Preach that word. Amen. Those bones. Amen. You preach. Amen to bones and it appears that nothing takes place. And that can become extremely frustrating. Seems futile. Why continue? Amen. Why continue to just labor where there seems to be no fruit? I can tell you it's in places like that where you're going to find out what you do and why you do it. Am I here to see results or am I here to do the will of God? Do you hear me? Oh, and it's easy to talk about that. It's easy to preach about it, but it's another thing to walk through it. It is a test. It's a test that every man will pass through. And very few, amen, have passed. Very few have, have passed that test. Amen. Many fall before they ever get through with that. And that's where they change the gospel. Amen. It all starts. That restoration is going to start. It's all going to begin with a man filled with the Holy Ghost who is willing to declare thus saith God. You can have a million dollars in the bank. You can have ushers fill these aisles. You can have parishioners in the pews. But nothing's going to take place until the word of God is preached. Amen. It all starts right there with a man that will boldly say thus saith the Holy Ghost. Amen. You let God speak and mount will melt like wax. It takes a man that's willing to be used by God. And those of you are called, there must be a yearning to be such a vessel. There must be a longing to be a vessel of truth. Must con consume you to be that vessel. Night and day desire. You've got to see that valley before you'll ever prophesy life. I said you must see the valley of death before you will ever prophesy life. It must consume you. You must desire above all things to be a vessel. And this is what compels and provokes a man to set all things in order. To see his family made right. A man, amen, another man, he may say, say it's nothing to drive 10 miles over the speed limit. But a man consumed with being a vessel of honor. Amen. He lets the Holy Ghost deal with every fox that spoils the vine. He wants to be that vessel. He doesn't want anybody to stumble because he knows the repercussions and the consequences are grave indeed. Multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision this morning. Even as we speak, they're looking for a testimony. Amen. They're looking for, and I can tell you, they can spot compromise even when they neck deep in it themselves. Listen to me. They know just a little bit of you. Amen. When they're washing down in a tide of deception, they'll point it out in you too going to have to be a holy spotless testimony and love is the only thing that will compel you to become that amen love you hear me only love 
Only love will constrain you to do only love, only love, only love, amen, will provoke and motivate you to become the vessel of truth, the love for God and the love for my neighbor. Amen, the word of life spoken into death. Amen. Ezekiel 37, 4 through 6. And again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones and say to them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. God's answer for death is always a word of life. Amen. But it's got to come through a living vessel. Do you hear me? The living creatures brought that live coal. It's got to come through a man. In times of upheaval and trouble, God's always searching for a man who declares word. The psalmist reported, he said, I've preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord. Thou knowest when the prophet Jeremiah in his day, he's the only one. You hear me? Elijah said, I'm the only one. And he wasn't. But Jeremiah was. He's a lone man standing against the tide. And when he says, I'm going to forbear, I'm not going to preach anymore. He came to the place where he said, I can't hold my peace. The word is like a fire shut up in my bones. He's always calling for a preacher. Always calling for a preacher. When Nineveh was so wicked that judgment was required, God didn't call a committee. He didn't raise up a politician. He didn't send a mime group or a puppet show or a rock concert. Amen. He liked to kill a man and a boat full of people to apprehend the preacher. Preach what I bid thee to preach. You say, oh, he got Jonah. He got some, somebody else. He had to like to kill Jonah and a bunch of other folks. Destroying property. You hear me? God's looking for a man to preach this word. He's got to have one. And he will. Even Jesus himself. He said the anointing, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach. And that was his first and primary function. Amen. That pattern's always been the same. It will never, never, never change. God must have a How then shall they hear or how shall they call on him and who may have not believed? And how shall they believe in him and who may have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That word preacher means a public crier. Well, God will send him a He can use mimes. He can use rock music. How shall they hear without a preacher? I don't believe that. I do believe people get saved. I, I can't say. Listen to me. In spite of some of that, that's not God's way. You hear me? That's not God's way. Amen. There's churches all over America this morning, stagnant, cold, dead, full of sin. And their only hope is a preacher that will declare, thus saith God. That is their only hope. And you remember this. I said the word of life. Amen. In the midst, in the valley of that death, life always runs contrary to death because life and death are extreme opposites. That tells me this, that word of life, it will always challenge. It's always going to confront the current practice of death. And those who carry that word of confrontation, they're not going to be popular. They're not going to be applauded. They're not going to be celebrated in 
this life. But I want you to remember this one thing. The heroes of eternity. They're not going to be the politicians. They're not going to be the entertainers. They're not going to be the big boys of religion. But they're going to be that single individual. That lone church. Amen. That remnant that would stand against the tide. That brave soul that would say this is not the way. Turn or perish. That's going to be the heroes of eternity. Amen. Many, amen, that are first are going to be last. And the last are going to be first. That Bible, that defines reality. But eternity is going to vindicate it and unveil it. I said this Bible defines reality. But eternity is going to unveil those who walked in it. And they're going to be validated in the light of a billion, billion, trillion years of eternity. Amen. Those who are truly blessed, whom God calls blessed. Amen. You and I, I believe we're blessed today. But the world will call us insane would call us cursed. But we're going to be known there. As we know, do you hear me? It's going to be known. Amen. The meat, the poor in spirit, those that mourn, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, the merciful, the persecuted, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. Amen. Those that are reviled and accused and accursed and hated for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. They blessed and in eternity Amen. For a billion years, it'll be known those are the heroes. Amen. Live for eternity. Live for eternity. You think of Lazarus and that rich man. You hear me? Lazarus was a beggar. That rich man, he fared sumptuously. The Bible says, amen. You know, in this life, which was what? At best, 80, 90, 100 years. At best, that man was admired. That man, that rich man was honored. He was envied. Amen. In this life, again, the most 70, 80, 100 years. Lazarus, he's a beggar. He's despised and hated, accused, mocked. Amen. Disdain. But in eternity for a billion years, that rich man is going to beg for just a drop of water at the tip of that beggar's finger. You hear me? Listen to me. Live for tomorrow and not today. Amen. Let your eyes be set on the things above. It's all going to melt away. It means nothing. Amen. The only thing that matters is what we do for Christ. Can these bones live? We must believe that they can, but we must do what the Holy Ghost says to do to see it come to pass. That spoken word, it is the beginning of restoration. Verses 7 through 8. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above. But there was no breath in them. That pure preaching of the word of God is going to cause no small stir. There's a noise. <coughs> there's a shaking. Lots of folks don't like that. When there's a noise. There's been a noise and a shaking up in here. There's been a noise and a shaking up in here. Amen. That which can be shaken will be shaken. That that which remain will remain. 
Do you hear me? That word preached, the first thing's going to happen, there's going to be a noise and a shaking. People say, why rock the, why is there always confrontation? Amen. Because if you're going to prophesy life into death, you're going to have to confront it at its root. At its root, it's going to have to be dealt with. Amen. Notice also that that word, it says the bones came together. There was a unifying. Do you hear me? The body came together bone to bone. True spiritual unity will always be fostered by the preaching of the word of God after there's a noise and a shaking. You hear me? The word of God, it divides and we know that. But it also unifies. Jesus think not that I come to bring peace but I come to bring a sword and I'll even divide a household. But it's a dividing agent as well as a sanctified agent. Sanctify them. What does that mean? To set apart. Amen. For a consecrated use. It is, that word is a sanctifying agent. Sanctify through thy truth and thy word is truth. As that word cuts one off, amen, it brings the others together for that consecrated use. That word, amen, it'll set everything in order. Amen. And that's likened here in this vision. It's likened to the original creation of man. And I believe it's a pattern for God building a body. Hear me. It's God's pattern for building a body. It says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Notice, first Adam was formed physically, and then he was given the breath of life. Amen. Put them arms and legs together on that torso. Amen. Put that eyeball in the right place. Put that tongue in the mouth and two ears on the side of his head. Everything was constructed there in the physical first. That is the pattern. Biblical Pentecost. Now listen to me. We're all Pentecostal. Amen. Or at least I believe you are. I know I am. I've had the Pentecostal experience. But true biblical Pentecost, as you've heard me say, that is the Spirit of God indwelling, filling, occupying His habitation with which is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. However, there will be no habitation until every single member be placed in his place and all things be placed in order. God will never occupy disorder. You hear me? See, all the workings that we've experienced here. Oh, this is terrible and awful. Amen. Do we want Pentecost? Do we want Pentecost? Everything. It's going to have to be placed in order. And it's that word that sets everything in order. That is the creative power of the word of God. Amen. How are things created? All things, it says in John chapter 1, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. That word made, it means to generate, to come into being, to assemble. To assemble. Everything was made by Christ. And we know in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, that is in the context of Logos, the Word. Amen. All things were created. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. By him were all things created. They're in the heaven and they're in the earth, visible or invisible. Amen. That which we can see or not see. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. Amen. If a church is going to be filled with his spirit, it's going to have to be made by his hand. I said if a church is going to be filled with his spirit, it's going to have to be made by his hand. You're just not going to throw some folks together. Amen. And write Jesus on the door. Amen. And the Holy Ghost show up. Amen. There's going to 
have to be a deep dealing. Things are going to have to be set in order. Life is going to have to be spoken into death. And bone is going to have to come to bone. And it's that word that's going to cause that to take place. Amen. You get that body built up by that word. Amen. And God always fills what he builds. God always fills what he builds. Then said the enemy, prophesy under the wind. Wind always represents the Holy Ghost. You hear me? Wind always in the Bible represents the Holy Ghost. Son of man, and say unto the wind, thus saith the Lord of God, Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. Amen. Now things are in order. Amen. But he said the breath of life wasn't in them. Do you hear me? Things was in order. Amen. But the breath of life was not in them. The Holy Ghost. Amen. What's he going to fall on? Amen. When that thing becomes conformed to Christ. Amen. When you can see Christ. When it's truly the body. The Holy Ghost always falls upon and promotes Jesus Christ. John the Baptist said. Amen. And I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me upon whom thou see the Spirit. Descending and remaining on him. The same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost only falls upon Christ. He fills those who obey Him. You let an individual be conformed to Christ. Have a hunger and desire to be conformed to Christ. That's who God will fill. And you get a local church bone coming to bone. Amen. Desiring to be conformed to the image of Christ. Amen. The frame will be built and the Spirit will occupy. Holy Ghost will come. He's going to fill it afresh. Amen. I believe that's what God has been doing in our midst. And that combination of that word prophesied, that word of life, amen, and that breath of life, it then will produce a spiritual army, amen, that is prepared for battle. Then and only then. And the battle rages. You hear me? I said the battle rages. Do you hear me? Amen. We only become blind or we become sensitive to it. We're only callous to the reality of it. Amen. Or we're sensitive. But there's a battle raging. Amen. All around us, men perish for the lack of truth. So I prophesied as it commanded me and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood up on their feet an exceeding great army. I believe this is the pattern. This speaks of Pentecost, which truly equips a church or a man from ministry. He said, for you tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Amen. I can tell you that battle is there and it calls for soldiers, but there are few equipped for battle. Few that are truly equipped for battle. And listen to me, God is calling for an army, not a mercenary. That's what I keep talking about. That's what God keeps dealing with me about. We've found many a man sold out to God, but it's been few, few times in history that a church has been in one mind and one accord and that constitutes revival but that's what God must have to defeat the enemy in any given generation you hear me it must be it must be it must be a church not just an individual good for the individual that's filled with God he can overcome he can do the will of God I'm talking about for Christ to truly be known God will use individuals but as he uses individuals I can tell you the purpose of the ministry of this man or any man is to bring this body together in unity to the fullness and the stature of Christ because he speaks to us in this age by his son Christ so that Christ can be manifested. That body would carry, amen, the image of Christ into all the world. Yes, he uses individuals. He uses men. I'm not denying that. 
Amen. But everything is to bring that body into the fullness and the stature of its head, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I've come to realize that that's what Jesus meant when he said, Amen, that the harvest is truly plenteous, but the labors are few. Lots of folks willing to go. Really not that many people willing to go, but fewer still willing to be equipped, willing to truly wait on God. Amen, and be equipped. Amen. Very few people submitted to the pattern of the Holy Ghost because it requires, amen, a dealing. Amen. And the last thing here, verses 11 through 14, when that life is manifested in God's people, amen, then Christ, God the Father, amen, is glorified, glorified. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. I'm saying this morning in our application that it's us, the church. Amen. I believe that's a true parallel. Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my people, I will open your graves. I'll cause you to come out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit into you. I told you the wind. Amen, a type of the Holy Ghost. I believe the parallel is true. And ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. And then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken and performed it, saith the Lord. Pentecost and Pentecost alone is what will validate God's Word. And it's what a people must have. They must keep it before them. Do you hear me? It can never be, I don't want that. It can never be that I'm not consumed. When you lose sight, of I must have Pentecost. You say, well, I speak in tongues. I'm Pentecostal. You're missing the whole point. Amen. Have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you. When you lose sight of bringing glory to God and knowing the means to do that is Pentecost. Amen. Then it's time. Amen. To press into the person of God. He asked us this morning. Amen. Can these bones live? And what's our answer? And what will we do with the instructions of the Holy Ghost? Amen. Let's stand this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your truth, Father, for your presence. Lord, I just ask you, Father, put a thirsting, a hunger in each of us, Father. Let this word strike at our inner man, Father. Oh, Lord God, I believe you're stirring us, changing us, dealing with us, Father God overshadowing us by your presence and your spirit. I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we seek you this morning. We wait upon you. Fill us afresh, Father. Lord, break the yoke of my brethren and sisters, Father. Lord, any hindrance, Father. I pray, Lord, you compel us to press in. Oh, for your name's sake, Father God, we desire to be a vessel of truth. We desire, Father, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be that voice, Father, to our generation. Deal with us, Father. Remove all selfishness, every distraction in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Won't you seek Him? Just seek Him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let your glory fill this house. Let your praises fill our mouth. Let each vessel offer up to you the sacrifice of praise.